You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome back to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. I am here. My name is Frank. I'm with all my friends from all across the country. Up in Baltimore, Maryland, we got Jeffrey Simpson. Hello. Down in Sumter, South Carolina, representing his favorite sports team, we got Dumar Pete. All day, hello. Um, not in Jacksonville, but repping a Jags uh, tank top, we got Timothy Miller. Hello, Duval. And representing Hogwarts, we got Andrew Larson. How did I get relegated to after Tim? <laughs> I am beyond, I'm behind the adjunct at this point. This is ridiculous. I had to get the bit going with the Harry Potter. Well, hey, Go Hogwarts. Uh, how you guys doing? Uh, how was your post Easter service? Did was it like did it did the curve go really high and then go back down really steep, or is the curve still twenty twenty levels and it's going to take more than two weeks to flatten it? What do we got? Bro, we it was like Bitcoin. With- it was like Bitcoin after an all-time <laughs> high, like that fifty percent drop just hit instantly, <laughs> and you feel it. But when you have a record-breaking high, the fifty percent drop is kind of like, a, oh, that was a pretty good Sunday. So it wasn't yeah. like a terrible, but it was like, okay, obviously there was a lot of people that only go to church once a year. Sure. What's sure. the worst is that you told yourself this was going to happen, <laughs> yeah. and you still let yourself take the emotional damage on the other side of the Sunday after Easter. But yeah, for us it was good. We still had a lot of the newer people. We did a we did on a Wednesday after Easter. We did a pizza with the pastor, and that was fun. And uh, extra people showed up to that, so I was half stressed that I didn't get enough pizza, and half like happy that that happened. And then another part of me was like, "Well, I'm not going to get to eat now because there's not enough pizza, and I'm super hungry." Uh, but it all worked <laughs> out. It was all good, and uh, this Sunday was great. Fast for the Lord, Jeff. That's right. Uh, we 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 hit spring break this week, so literally our whole entire anybody who goes anywhere for spring break was gone on spring break. So we did have that. Jeff, what kind of pizza did you guys get? Uh, there's a local place nearby us called Pizza Pleasers. They make a fantastic pie. Pizza and, uh, Pleasers. Pizza That's Pleasers. Yeah. What? I'm yeah. not going to say what episode number and this is. Listen, I was thinking the same thing. Guys, we are three less than three minutes in. Man, come on. <laughs> um, it's in Sketchville, USA, too. But they make sure. a great pizza, and like when you go there, you're you know you you're you're taking into you're counting the cost, <laughs> not of the pies, but of might I get like robbed, shanked, shot, or just get out of there unscathed. And uh, since it was daylight out, it was pretty good. So all good. What kind of, what kind of pizza is it? Like, oh, a I just normal... got pepperonis. No, 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 no. But like, is it like a New it, York style? Yeah. It's like a regular New York style, uh, like takeout place. Oh, sounds good. Um, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. We, we had, um, we had, uh, just like how, 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 how Tim said, it wasn't like the, the parking lot wasn't overflowing, but there, it was still slightly above normal numbers, and that feels great. Our second service is usually like our lowest attended service, and this felt pretty full. And that was that felt pretty great. Like that was cool to see. We were we continued to be uh, pretty up there, which is always exciting. In the five years that I've been here, I think this past Sunday would have been one of the you know eight or ten 
higher attended Sundays we, we've had during those five years. So that's super cool, except for the fact that last week was the highest attendance that we've had in five years, which makes the, the one after be like, oh, yeah, that's cool, too. But it was still it was still a good group. The crazy thing is, is that our kids are overflowing. We uh, yeah, we, dude, we, need to, we got to figure out some uh, some more recruits in our kids, men. Oh, and, and get, I got to tell you guys, you know, we got to like, get those kids tithing. That'd be great for sure. And I got to tell you guys, extra exciting as a former worship pastor musician, uh, we got someone on Wednesday night who was like, oh, yeah, I used to run theater sound. Can I is it OK if I look at the sound booth? And I said, uh, uh, yes. So I took her in there and she was like just nerding out about the soundboard and already pretty much knew everything about it. Uh, so she's going to get plugged in soon. And then on Sunday, one of the younger guys that's been coming um, I heard that he was a musician. And so I did the, you know, you know how you do the thing. You're like, I, I dude, I'll put him on the stage right now. Cause we need it. But also I don't want him to feel like I'm being pushy and I'm just using him. So, you know, he broke the ice on Sunday and said, Hey, I'd love to maybe play. And I said, well, what do you play? And he said, well, I can play drums. I can play keys. I can play guitar. So that's a, that's a big win for, uh, you know, when you have a limited pool of musicians, uh, that, that's a big win. So super exciting. Yeah. Uh, I had a uh, this, this this came to my mind while you guys were talking. Uh, I'd be interested to know if you ever had a moment where like you have a new family and they ask a question and the question they the one question they ask, you know that the true answer is going to oh, be yeah. the reason why they never come back. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, and so so that was um, a question. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. So, um, our student ministry moved from Sunday nights to Wednesday nights this year and it crushed the numbers like they're like like very few kids are attending and the youth pastor is not going to move it back to sunday nights and I, and I guarantee the numbers are going to go back up so there's this new family that came in and um uh i I've, 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 I've known of this family they go to another i think they, they were visiting for the very first time they attend another church and they like knew other people in their church and w- someone came up to me and was like oh man if this if this family attends it's really good for your church because they are like they're they're good people. They're good volunteers. They would serve everywhere. And they're what solid. you're saying is they are super loaded. That's what we're all hearing <laughs> Frank say right now. I have now. no idea what their financial status is, but what I'm saying is they were like they would be good, like committed uh, people in our congregation. So they have like high schoolers, and they specifically said like, "Hey, um, Young Life really isn't doing it for our kids, and we're looking for a church with a good youth group." And so he asked me how many high school kids are in your youth group. And like I genuinely didn't know that number, even though like I just had lunch with a youth pastor. And so I grabbed a student, a high school girl that I knew in my campus, and I called her over and I said, <laughs> I said, Hey, how many um how many uh students, how many high school students are in the youth group? And she said, Just me. And I was like, <laughs> Yep, they're not coming back. <laughs> and then and then I said, like, uh, but are they moving services to Sunday on uh, in the fall? And they're like, yeah, we should bring back more people. We should go back to like way better numbers. And uh, and and I don't know if that was and enough. And then Frank the- said, but it's not about numbers, guys. <laughs> it's not about numbers. <laughs> but I, I just knew that like once I answered that question, I was like, oh, dang, I may have yeah. like sealed my fate. Well, has there ever been like a question like that that someone asked you and you're like, oh, they're, not gonna, they're never coming back? Well, I mean, for a long time, people would ask us like, so what's your children's ministry like? And I'd be like, well, my daughter is here. And it's like. When you're small, you like you need a couple families to like get it going to where you can be like, yeah, there's like ten kids, and it's just like a hard, long, dry spell. But I think we're through it now, at least sure. for you know the next season. So that's awesome. And then of course the theological questions, you know, yeah, 
So There's always like, a theological question. Oh, so I saw a, a, a lady preach at your church. Is that a normal thing? And you're like, uh, it's not normal, but it happens sometimes, and then you never see them again. Yeah, it's not normal, but it's normative, or yeah. vice versa. And it, yeah, uh, same same as Jeff. It, you know the the hey, what what is this ministry that you have? Well, we kind of don't. Um, and then lots of you know we are. I, I think we are very kind of theologically moderate as a church, yeah. which makes liberals angry and makes progressives angry, or makes progressives angry and makes conservatives angry. Wishy washy. And so You're like a blended worship service, but in we, theology. It, yeah, kind of. And uh, yeah, you, you kind of have to just take those on the chin sometimes. Yep. We actually have our starting point coming up this Sunday, which is kind of our new member sit down. So here's a good strategy. Serve up lots of fried chicken and macaroni mm. and let them like just sit in that for about 30 minutes. And then once you get to the Q&A session, you know, it's some of the fires out of Dude, it. Do you guys have like the uh, Southern grandma desserts at those kind of Y'all, things? I'm telling you, our food is so really good. Should. It is so like, it is so we Ambrosia? got these. Got to get mm. that. Oh, we get that. Like sometimes it's like a pecan pie or a peach cobbler with some vanilla ice cream. You know, pecan oh. pie is going to be good when the person says pecan pie. I mean, yes, it's pecan. That's, well, that's the thing. We, and we tell them that's our starting point hook. It's like, listen, even if you don't, jo- if you don't join, this is a Baptist church. So, you know. You're gonna eat good. Like at least, at least give us that. Del, Del, do you get the um, when when you when a family comes up to you, a new family comes up to you, and they ask the question, "So, do you do the screen preaching every week?" You're like, <laughs> they're not coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What percentage of yours say that? It's really high for me. Oh, in the if brand new people. Yeah, I'm probably batting a hundred. Like it's yeah. it's every single time people are like, "Do you do you, do you do screen?" And I instantly go into. I believe Frank means batting a thousand because in baseball, yeah, batting a hundred. You're not on the team anymore, Frank. I understood what you were saying one. because I didn't yeah. understand what you were saying. Baseball so. is is like fourth tier in terms of sports. I'm fluent <laughs> in so, um, but I would say that yeah, like almost every single time because Milwaukee is not doesn't have many multi site churches. It's it's already unusual being a multi site church. Yeah. So therefore, uh, streaming campuses is the most foreign thing. So I would well, say almost every single time that I ask the question, so I instantly get into like defensive mode. Like, well, let me explain yeah. the vision. Let me explain what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Well, that's like, kind yeah, of yeah, how yeah, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you have this or not? <laughs> For sure. Yeah, they just want yeah. the answer. But you know, I think our strongest thing at our campus is our lobby. That is the strongest thing. People will come and hang out in our lobby. 15 minutes before. They'll just, they'll just go to the lobby Honestly, and go back home. Yes. Every, every week we have someone stand at the gate with a clicker. You know what I'm saying? To like just to count. And then we have a, a in the worship space number as well. And sometimes it's been, I'm not kidding. It's been off by 18 before because people, they hang out in the lobby one hour and then another hour they go to life group. Nice. So it's attention to manage. You can't really solve it. We have elders that do that and just talk to each other. Hey, hey, count it as a life group. Guys. <laughs> uh, well, I, 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 if it's more edifying than the preaching, can you I mean, uh, It's dude. personally hurtful. That's what I tell them. I mean, it hurts do, you my feelings. Have, do you have people? I mean, so let me ask this question. Uh, I, I think I know there's a TV in your lobby, Tim. Does it does it have a feed of the preaching? I wouldn't even call what Tim has a lobby. It's like a it's hallway. A, it's, a, it's called a narthex, actually. Uh, we do have a narthex, and there is a TV in there, but it just runs. I just meant that it's um, small for the size building you have. It's, a, it's like as small as my lobby. Yeah. Well, I was I was going to say it's, it only it only runs the, the pre and post service um, 
ads. Just, so the same speak. slides as on the screen. Yep, just the upcoming events and ministries sure. that are offered. We don't. We don't. We, I mean, we could put it on there. We could just throw an Apple TV on there and, and sure. stream it if we wanted to, but we don't do that. Both yeah. of the campuses at my church that I've been a part of have lobbies that have a feed of what's going on in the sanctuary, and every Sunday there's always people who never make it to the sanctuary. They come to church. They'll get yep. the coffee and the lemonade. They'll they'll talk. They're probably lemonade. even in small groups. Oh, we have lemonade on Sunday Ooh. mornings. Yeah, kids. That's that's their free sugar on Love Sunday. It. But uh, but they don't go into the sanctuary. And like um, and it's something that we actively talk about. Like, how can we get them into the sanctuary? Like, even if they sit in the back row, like to not be like lo- loitering <laughs> in the lobby or whatever. Um, what uh, we've what- done to close that gap is like, and I'm sure you've done this, Frank. Is I just find out who they are. Yeah. And just like literally visit them or call them during the week. And sometimes I don't even have to bring it up. They're like, yeah, I know I hadn't, hadn't been in there in a minute. And then they'll come back in. But then you have some who are adamantly like, well, I have some who are like, listen, we're not going in there, but we love church. So do you want us to come to church? <laughs> okay. Devil's advocate. If you are a multi-site campus, Uh-oh. what is the difference between watching the screen that's on the stage or hey, watching the screen that's in the lobby? I understand worship and, and whatnot could be a different thing, but if you're like, yo, what I'm gonna sit on the comfy couch and listen to the sermon as opposed well, to sit in the folding chair and listen to the sermon. And like take then, that devil's advocate even out a little bit more. I've got well, your church streams the services online, so I could just watch them online. You know, like it's if my thing is if people don't want to go, that's when they use that stuff. You know what I'm sure. saying? Like that's really more um, the problem's not the problem. The real problem is they don't want to go to church or go in the worship center. Yeah, I mean, Andrew, my, my pushback is uh, I don't I don't have a defense for online church. I I actually the the uh, this might be controversial, especially because we have an online campus. I have um, I think I'm growing in my opinion that online church isn't truly church, but that's a conversation for. Uh, another day i think for the podcast but like i do think that like um uh 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 the only thing that's streamed is the sermon everything else is corporate in a in the room um and 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 at our, at our larger campus that seats a thousand people depending where you're sitting even though it's live preaching in the room you're looking at a screen anyways and so it, the only i would say that like my only pushback would be like the the corporate gathering of the saints worshiping together, giving together, um, you know, being being yeah, in the but I give online. Fair enough. <laughs> so say, say, if you say online church doesn't count, that means you got to say online giving doesn't count. Well, I'm cashing that check though. Uh, <laughs> you know what? You know what? It's not a check. I know. And it's now online, you're getting just... close to things. No, you know what we you know what we do uh, or what we encourage for those uh, in, in our membership meeting when we talk about uh, recurring giving online is we tell them to fill out a connect card and the action of putting the connect card in the bucket is, is the same action as giving in person, even though you're giving online. So, so that wasting way a card. No, they fill so out that it. way. The they people around the you think, Oh, they're giving. Maybe I should too. Well, we're just, I get it. We, I, we I, work, I worked on. at a big church too. I understand. Actually, actually a court, what, what's the book called? Uh, <laughs> Cersei. Cersei says this. We want every person in the church. Every the, the person who's been there for a decade and the person who's for a Sunday in there to fill out a connect card. And the reason why you want 
all your regular attenders and members fuck just like paul had them do yeah just like paul the reason why you want your all your members that have been there for years to do it is because when you have an environment where everyone's filling out the connect card that new person doesn't feel intimidated by putting out their personal information on the card yeah. And oh, so, so do you often it's, tell it's them simulation process? And yeah. I think you're you're good about telling them we don't sell your information or anything, oh, right? I have a bit every Sunday. Oh, we're not yeah, going to yeah, sign you sure. up for timeshares. We're not going to give you uh, cryptocurrency tips. Or I, I have I have <laughs> I have so many bits for that. Well, um, I've got a war story, Frank. So we do that too, right? And we had an Easter egg hunt a couple. And weeks your email ago. list got hacked, and everyone got no. Go ahead. No, but we did, and we took up cards, right, at the Easter egg hunt. And and then we do the text in church thing. I don't know if any of y'all do that where an automated text goes out. Anyways, these people's phone number got put into the automated text just to say thanks for coming to the Easter. And somebody responded and went off on us. How dare you? I did not give this church my permission to use. And we're like, it's a text, but okay. And yeah, like that was our little weekend issue. Yeah, we just started using Clearstream. Andrew, Love you it. don't seem satisfied with my answer. I I think I'm, I'm trying to. Uh, I know I'm being extra snarky today, but I'm trying to uh, loosen that tie, buddy. Tune, uh, yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to tune down down my douchebaggery a little bit. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I I think you know to, what is what is the point of the church? I'm it's funny. I'm reading um, Prodigal Church in conjunction with Deep and Wide right yep. now. And it's just because the point is that we're reading these two different perspectives on how and why churches do things the way they do. And the thing I just keep coming away with is there's not a right answer. And saying that somebody else's answer is the wrong answer probably isn't the right answer either. Yeah, we're actually and, we're actually debating only doing the sermon as a live stream, like not even and mentioning because we already do that with communion. We end the, the live stream before communion. We're talking about maybe like figuring out a way to say our online service starts at like in person starts at 10:45 and online starts at 11:15 and like sure. making sure that when the sermon starts it that's when it goes live well really, and it's also like it's important to let people know that there's other stuff happening here yeah. that you know it's kind of the same way this is going to sound real bad but like if if you compare it to like the secular world it's like when you're trying to sell your house show pictures of your house but never show the picture of the garage right mm. because if you don't show the picture of the garage people will still come and visit the house because they don't know what else is there right and it's very similar with church like yeah show the show the message you're trying to get the word out but like don't show everything because then people will say the exact same thing andrew was just saying why even go but t- translating that to multi-site church i think is you know the the debate. If you as a church have decided that multi-site is the model that is best for you and it's the best way to fulfill God's mission for you, I don't think you can say, "Well, if you're in the lobby, you're not really at church," because an argument could very easily be made that the whole secondary campus and whether or not you want to admit that you're at a secondary campus, there's a lot of secondary campuses out there, um, is is just a glorified lobby. Yeah, I. I for sure disagree with you on all that i think i think my my only pushback i wouldn't say that they're necessarily not going to church i think they're not receiving the best of what their church could have like like their experience could be by not going into the sanctuary um i i um multi-site churches are not without their critiques i give you that andrew but 
I also don't think that multi like a, a second campus or a, or a, a satellite campus is simply a lobby for a church. That, I, no, I feel, and that's that's an oversimplification. Sure, 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 sure. You know but why you're saying if, that, Andrew? Because lobbies don't need pastors. Because Ooh. lobbies don't <laughs> lobbies don't need anyone to make the announcements for them. Oh. The, hey, but campuses but if, do need pastors. I was defending y'all. But if, if you're you. if you are sitting in the lobby with and, and okay, if it's Easter Sunday and there's an overflow. And so you're, and so, well, man, so-and-so had to sit in the lobby. We were so full. You're going to celebrate that someone had to sit in the lobby because you were so full. But if that same person chooses to sit in a lobby on a Sunday when you're only 70% full, well, then you've got a, a spiritual maturity issue. I, I just, I think, think I think, we're I, think I disagree with you too, because I think that the person who sits in the lobby when they could go in the sanctuary, almost every time that that's happened in my experience in churches, not even multi-site, but just like a, church where that happened that person was either distracted or kind of stubbornly saying i don't want to do that and so i think there's probably some kind of discipleship issue there a hundred percent and i will go ahead and tell you this a large quantity which i know we'll get to this later in the podcast a large quantity i say more than 50 percent of our lobby sitters it is directly related to church hurt a hundred percent like a hundred percent of 50% of the people is um, directly related to church hurt. They have an issue with something um, maybe not related to our campus because they still love the people. If this is making sense, what I'm saying. So they, they will go in there whenever that church hurt isn't present. But I agree. I could also also agree with Andrew that the, the multi-site system when you're streaming stuff like that does, leave you open to that critique so you you know sure. you, you should be ready for it fair i'm not a, i'm not i'm not I, like i i hear the critique I, I i appreciate andrew's uh point that it is an oversimplification but like uh but like uh, i again with everything in multi-site there's a lot of different views and there for sure are probably multi-sites where the satellite campuses are just a glorified lobby but uh I would like to argue that at least with my multi-site, and I'm presuming Delmar's church, uh, it's it, there's a little bit more ecclesiology in in our system than than simply um, we are VJs push and play. Push and play. What's yeah. interesting is that we're talking about a secondary issue, which we can for sure disagree on, and still be in fellowship, and still love each other, and yes. still go to Disney World this summer with each other. Oh yeah, and we could just opt yeah. not to have our services streamed in the lobby, in which case it might force people to actually go inside. Yeah, that, yeah. I you guess go. that could be an option too. It could be, or you can stream your not even stream because we we plug into an HDMI cable. <laughs> you can plug your HDMI cable into the back of your ATEM board and put it on a big TV outside and have your fastest growing part of your congregation be people that want to sit outside and bring their dogs to church. Yeah. That's your second which, campus. Your second campus exactly, is your... Exactly. Oh, our second campus is the, is the outdoor puppy Dog from the church. campus. <laughs> there you go. And then, and, then, and then you can have a third campus in the metaverse. Yeah. Now, what, what, what's the place called? I'll help you out. Y'all need to join big screen. I'm being, I'm being dead serious right now. You need to join big screen. Uh, friend me up. Amen, bro. I know that was bleeped out a couple weeks ago. We had to change the name for issues. Um, but it's Amen. Yeah, did, did you hear that? Legal issues. Did you hear that I bleeped it out? You heard you listened to it? I yeah, it well, my, my wife was like, they bleeped it out. I was like, well, yeah, because it interferes with another meme page and stuff. But <laughs> join, uh, join uh, friend Amen, bro. But if you ever see the group in big screen and the group's called Church Folks, 
that's uh that's sure. a group with one of us in it and it's a it's a pretty good group man there's like regulars who jump in it's open three or four nights a week generally starts around uh, between 9 15 9 30 and uh people drop in it's i mean they go late and then on thursday nights in big screen there is a bible study that happens every week it's called vr lighthouse and it's got it's got a good spread of people that comes in and uh the pastor there uh is going through romans and it's it's pretty solid so i know that's really out there but hey if we're going to be able to talk about church on facebook then i think vr is totally game you know have you done your first metaverse baptism that that's my next question okay i did do like a straight up um like i was evangelizing this kid this past week sharing the gospel cuz he was he was right there ready 17 year old He's asking all the stuff that you know you've heard if you were a student pastor where you're like, okay, let's go. But it is really weird in the metaverse because you're sharing the gospel and there's like 14 other people present. So it's not – you don't have that intimacy like you would have in a church corner lobby. Okay, so there's some things you need a church lobby for. But the lobby (laughs) is not church. But the metaverse, however – is the future of the church. Is that yeah. what I'm hearing? If you ask life.church.tv, then yeah. <laughs> but well, you what can if also I don't st- ask them anything. You, then you're okay. All but right. you could stream um you could actually this is what's really cool. You can stream your services into it um and watch them. Uh watch your it's pretty cool, but you could also just straight up preach in the metaverse. You can people could come in, you could do a sermon. But uh, and the app is free by the way. Big screen is free, so you don't even have to pay for it. So it's free cheap interaction so yep the way the coolest thing and then i'll get off the kick the coolest thing is how the church is oozing into it y'all like i have not been able to see in my lifetime like that permeation of the church you know how like when the when people came here and like saturated america like we brought christianity with us like that is happening in this vr space and it is just wild to see like christianity just seeping into this thing that is, you know, non uh, amoral. It's really cool. Um, I know we have a buddy. And we'll have transition. This is the longest we've ever spent on, on the first part. Of the Listen, segment. I tried to make the radio transition with the weekend. You did good. You did good. But you did. Nobody you jumped did. on it. You did good. Um, uh, there's a buddy of ours who um, who's, who's in Kansas City. Um, he's in our, he, he, He's from our DYM days. He um he's I think a digital pastor for his church or he's a digital campus pastor. I forgot what the title his official title is, but he talked about how a person got saved at their digital campus, which I and by digital I think it just means like online church, not metaverse. But then she wanted to get baptized and she drove like a couple hours to Kansas City to get baptized in person. So it wasn't like a digital baptism, but it was a baptism that stemmed from um an online campus, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, hey, well, let's transition. This might be the longest episode if we're, if we're not careful um, uh, to our uh, clergy cliff notes, but we'll take a quick break before we dive into that relevant article that we got. Let's go. Hey, uh, so all over at Relevant Magazine, there was an article that came out um, a couple days ago called Do I Have to Agree with My Pastors? And um, uh, this guy talks about how he attended what he would consider a hyper-Calvinist church. And he, in the second sentence, he says, it was Calvinism on steroids. So I, I, I do feel like whenever people critique Calvinism, even like Calvinism is hyper-Calvinism to some folks. But 
uh, he goes on to explain three reasons why you don't necessarily have to agree with your pastor. He says, one, it will show you are a unique, show you a unique perspective on God. So by going to this church, by because he felt like the reason why he should go to this church was because he felt like God was calling him, calling him and his family to be rooted there. Um, it gave him a perspective of God that maybe he wouldn't normally get if he was in a church where everyone he was at believed what he believed. Two, it will encourage you to dig deeper into the word. Basically, it challenged him to know what he believed. And even if he disagreed with the pastor, he could be able to understand what he believed. And then three, it will teach you how to love in spite of differences. So I read this article and I kind of have mixed feelings about the article in terms of like um, what it's ultimately saying. But I wanted to hear from you guys. When you hear this, just first off, what are your thoughts of the article? And then two... Um, I want to kind of ask a question in like the inverse perspective. Um, what what type of like as a pastor, where would you be concerned if a member or congregate disagreed with you or your, you and your church? Not necessarily you, but your church's doctor. Like, where would your concern be? But like, what do you think of this article? On the front end, I'm kind of with you. I, I wonder how hyper – when I think of hyper-Calvinist, I think of like Westboro Baptist Church, you know, where it's like it's almost evil. Well, no, it is evil at that point. So, uh, but as far as like, where can we disagree? I'm, I'm I don't real- think they would call themselves Calvinists. Uh, they they call themselves particular Calvinists, but either way, you know, the whole the whole point being, uh, people are, can feel free to, to disagree, and we can disagree as long as it's what I would we would call like open handed issues. You know, like it's it's not going to be like core tenets of the faith um, to where you could disagree with that, and then also. I think that it's important that we always are having a conversation about like what's primary, secondary, and tertiary issues, right? But at the same time, I think another place where you just have to have honest conversations is if people do disagree with it with a position on the church. That, like we said, that's fine, but it's when they are so adamant about it that they're trying to push a conviction that may not even be have a biblical footing. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, well, I'm sorry, we're not going to start an orphan ministry for dogs. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get what you say about taking care of God's creation, but that's not like a staple in our church. So if there's disagreement about something like that, where they're so convicted, it's like, well, then maybe you need to find that thing. Um, and another place that we just don't allow disagree. Well, yeah, we, we don't have the space to allow disagreement is over things like what is sin? You know, you have to, you have to, if you're going to be able to appropriately preach the gospel and repentance, you have to be able to articulate what sin is. So those are just a few things just to kind of get the conversation going. I'm okay with the the premise of the article. Sure. You can, you can disagree with your pastors. I don't think you have to agree with them all the time, but I guess where I would push back is, is if you have a, a combative spirit all the time, that's going to be difficult for you, your family, for, for your pastors I mean, I, I get it. Like when it comes to secondary issues, yeah, we can have great conversations and, and we could go back and forth. But it's just kind of the, the tone of the article was like, uh, look, you, sh- you should probably disagree a lot with what they say. And that's OK. That's super healthy. And I just I don't know if like, I, I'd be exhausted if I had a single member of my church who was constantly every week just ragging on something from the sermon. And I get that from time to time, but I don't have anyone who's constantly just push back, push back, push back, push back. I, this little thing, this little thing, this, that would just drive me crazy. But the occasional, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. Let's chat further. I'm fine with that. I have elders that do that. That's great. 
But I just think there's a there's a line there, and I don't know if you should be a member of a church where you're going to be in constant disagreement. But I, I think it's healthy for people to have different viewpoints. I think kind of what we've been saying, it's a, if it's a secondary issue, then sure. I think it, it actually gets me excited if somebody has a legitimate disagreement with a secondary issue. You know, hey, I, you know, you are a young earth creationist. I am not. Let's talk about it. That means that in their sanctification process, they have spent time and energy trying to discern what it is that they believe. And I am thrilled by that. Now, if somebody comes to a position that we would say that's not secondary, that's a downright sinful position, that's a different, that's a different situation. But if somebody is earnestly and fervently trying to discern what it is that they should believe, and we come across with, you know, different convictions, well, Paul said that was going to happen in Romans. That's, that's not, that's not a bad thing. It's, it is a good thing to have relationships and to be in a church with that kind of people. I also think having served on staff at a church that I was like, eh, there's some, there's some issues here. I think as a church member being able to say, I'm going to place myself under the authority of the leadership of this church. Um, and know that I'm not going to cause division, even though I might, you know, raise my eyebrows about a few things. I think that says a whole lot for discipleship because we're not always going to agree with each other. That's just part of life. Yeah, I would pretty much echo what you guys have said. I mean, I served on staff at a church where um, I was more of a Calvinist and uh, they were not. And we were I, I think we were teaching through the book of Ephesians and I got the beginning of chapter two and I, I had to say, like, you know, if you want me to preach this, I'm going to preach it this way, but I'm fine if you want to switch the rotation. And that's what they did. So um, I think that's, you know, that's the spirit you're looking for, because I mean, in this particular issue, Calvinism and our our election is not a primary doctrine. Um, It's a secondary doctrine. It's an important one, but it's not, you know, both good Arminians and good Calvinists agree on the gospel. They disagree. They disagree on how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I, I think, you know, kind of what Andrew said, as soon as the person crosses over from being able to gladly submit to the leadership of the church into a rebellious spirit or a divisive spirit, then that's when I think there there needs to be some pastoral intervention. Um, because, you know, what's definitely uh, not going to fly is division in the church mm. when we could have disagreement. We can have disagreement without division. Um, but we can't have division, so um, that's that's something. And and it, and it and it may mean as a pastor, you need to say like, look, I appreciate that you disagree on this issue. This is the way we're going to teach, and you know, you basically have you, you're going to have to make a choice here. You're going to have to submit to the teaching as it stands now, which means there's not going to be you know snarky comments. There's not going to be hallway conversations where you're trying to convince people of another position. This is the position of the elders here. And either you learn to walk in submission to those elders, or I can help you find a place where they agree with you on this issue, and you can continue to grow in your discipleship. But what we're not going to do is not say something and allow division to begin to, um, you know, grow roots in our church. I mean, honestly, what you just said is the key. Can you disagree and be cordial? You know, I was preaching a sermon a while back. Literally, it was on soteriology, and I though I am more formed, I don't use, I try not to use trigger words because it kind of takes us off of the conversation, you know, like Calvinism and stuff like that. But I did, I just preached on, you know, by grace through faith and kind of walked through that. 
And afterwards, a lady met me in the side lobby at the main campus. And she was like, hey, I just want you to know, like, I love your preaching. I love that you're so passionate about the gospel. But I grew up as an Arminian. And I had a lot of questions about that. You know, and I was like, you know what? That's fair. And I, I kind of encouraged her. I said, can I just want you to know how much I, first of all, I respect the fact you came and talked to me. That is awesome because I want to talk to you about this. This is a great conversation I love having. And then number two, I respect that, that you know your position and where you sit because that means you've actually sat down with the Lord and your word and you've studied it. So I'm like, the fact we can disagree and tell like this is like the most encouraging thing that I'm probably going to hear today. And just leaning into that more is so important. But also I will, I will shout out all the churches that try to adhere to some sort of confession. I do think that is a strength of a confessional church. It's that like you can, you can at least know what a church believes. Um, And what Jeff just said, this is what all of our elders believe. That is such a powerful tool for a pastor to have in his belt is the unity of the leadership within the church. You know, like, hey, listen, all of our, we're all on board with this doctrinal statement. And you are more than welcome to disagree. Um, and we love to talk to you about that. But just for clarity, like, if you want to know what we believe about everything, you can read this. Obviously, a confession is subservient to the word of God. But like, I do think there's strength in unity there. And that's one of the reasons those exist is to bring unity within the lo- local body. And I would just say, too, as a nuance to what you're saying, I think you have to make a distinction between unity and unanimity, because me and the two elders that I have, I'm the one that's leaning more Calvinist, and they don't at all, and we're still elders together. So um, we're n- we don't have unity on that secondary, that particular secondary issue. We have unity on some others, uh, but what we do have unity is on you know the primary, and I think you have to you have to work to continue to define what things are primary. For me, I tend to go back to the creeds and just kind of stick with those. And of course, I'm in a denomination, so we have a statement of faith that we adhere to, um, but we don't take a stance on on those particular issues. Yeah, there are times that being in a denomination is downright Super frustrating. Oh. I would say, yeah, I would say there's times. <laughs> no, there's there's times that it's really frustrating, and it's like you know extra work that has to be done, and you know. Well, in this the, in this particular, but, instance, but this is this is an area where the denomination is a shield for the church. Well, but for me, like my denomination is intentionally big, big tent. Like we intentionally don't take a stance on a lot of those issues. So in one regard, yes, it's a shield because I can say we don't take a stance. You know, if somebody asks me, would you call yourself a Calvinist or an Arminian? I usually in my church say, well, I'm an Alliance pastor. That's like we don't that's not a thing. We we don't draw that line out of others. So that's that tends to be my answer. But there are some things that we really. Uh, we really do draw lines on, you know, like the gospel. And have any you know, of you ever encouraged someone to leave your church because of this stuff? Like, have any of y'all having a pastoral conversation? Maybe this isn't the best place for you, and actually saw help them find a place where they can have unity and with a body. I mean, I've had a couple situations where yeah. someone had uh, a a lot of theological. I don't want to say grievances, but just like it's not how they want to do church or how they grew up. One was um, a Grace Brethren guy who, like, grew up Grace Brethren and really wanted to find another Grace Brethren church. And I was like, yeah, I know a couple, and, and, and he's great. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I would say that, like, a, a lot of times when people, like, um, 
when I have to do that, it has to actually more to do with um, people not liking the size of our church and wanting something smaller and more intimate. Mm-hmm. And and I we it's kind of hard to intentionally make your church smaller. You know what I'm saying? And so so helping people helping people that way. <laughs> I do think that like um, like I don't know. I mean, I think when it comes to this, I, I love how Tim said it. It's like I'm all for questions and I'm all for like people seeking to understand. But if it's just like a constant, like, "Hey, why are you doing this? Why aren't you doing that?" Like, right. there's like a like a, a level of like um, dissension or nagging or like even like uh, division creating because of that. Like, I guess toxic really quick. And so I don't know. I, I think that like, uh, yeah, it's fair. I no one is going to. There's not a single person in your congregation that probably finds your church. To check off every single box that they have for a church, but mm-hmm. there's a bigger reason why they're there, and oftentimes it has more to do with um, the type of community your church has than the theological distinctives your church yeah. has. And and I think I think if there's any reason why folks like this exist that have like a lot of like um, dissent not dissension but like um, disagreements with a pastor. It might be because you have such dang good community at your church that they're willing to put up with like yeah. uh, uh, a differing view of your theology. We have a family that's been visiting with us for a couple of weeks, and I have a previous relationship with them from uh, my former church. They weren't members there at the time, but she had grown up in that church. And so they were sitting with me in the fellowship hall, just kind of checking up um, or checking in. We were you know, catching up on some um, I was their nephew's youth pastor kind of kind of thing and just saying, oh, hey, how's this person? How's that person? And we got on the subject of a guy who was an elder um, when she was a part of the church when she was growing up and also when I was there. And we were just not laughing at him because he was he got so upset with me um, when I was on session at that church because I suggested we do something. And he's like, you know, we're as a church, we are losing our Presbyterian distinctives and, you know, we shouldn't do this, this, and this. And I was like, you know, buddy, I don't think anybody that's leaving our church cares about our denominational distinctives because they're leaving and they're going to the Methodist church and they're leaving and they're going to the Southern Baptist church. So they're clearly not leaving over Presbyterian distinctives. And he was so upset with me. And then when the new pastor who's our age came into the church um, and took away the traditional service, he decided that it was time for him to leave. And now he's going to a Southern Baptist church. It's like, you know, clearly those distinctives didn't mean all that much to you. You just really liked your pipe organ and your choir robe. There's always another problem. I think that's the most important thing I've ever learned when it comes to church conflict. The presented problem is almost never the real issue. Now, sometimes it is, right? But like, that's where we have to step in as pastors and make sure. I had a a couple at our church and like they're dear friends of mine and they had some concern with the head, the leadership and, you know, campus pastors, we're, we're to be a filter, right? Frank, like we're to support what's up and, you know, but at the same time, listen, so we can see what we need to take. And I filtered and the filter didn't catch everything. So finally I told him, I said, well, just reach out to the senior pastor, email him. Like, so he actually did that. They emailed, back and forth. And, you know, I guess he voiced his concerns and then it, he got back the answer might've not been what he wanted to hear, but he got it back. And then they've moved to a different church now. 
And that really, really hurt like me personally. But at the same time, as their former pastor, I am so grateful now that they're in a church where they are growing. To, to, to wrap this up, um, I think that like, don't disallow people from having questions and don't disallow people from like, don't, don't push back against that, but allow people to, to ask questions. But the moment you smell the vision, especially if you hear like someone being like a, a small group leader or, or, or like a Bible study leader, like have some very sincere questions. Like we at, at our church, will even tell people like, Hey, um, it's fine that you b- believe that personally, but we ask you not to teach that in small group, depending on the subject. Like, um, I, I nothing coming to my mind right now, but like, if someone were to have a distinctive secondary view than we do, um, we would we would encourage them if they're a small group leader to not propagate that. So, um, hey, I got a. Uh, uh, I want to. I want to. Tra- I want to transition to. Uh, one final thing before, before we wrap up, because uh, uh, we, we, this this opener went a little longer than I hope. But um, we're after it's after Easter, and now we're entering into you know the best part of spring. We're going into summer, and 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 for many of us, the next big big uh, church thing for us will probably be closer to Christmas. If not, you'll have like maybe a fall event or something. But what is maybe one thing? that you're hoping to do between now and Christmas um, to either improve your services or to be more productive? Like what's hope now that, you, you know, uh, I know ordinary times after Pentecost, but like what is one thing that you're hoping to do um, in this next season? That's like one big goal, one big objective for your ministry in this period of time. We're building our campus and it should be launched in October. So hopefully we have a lot of things moving in that direction. My But my big um, caution is how many people, if you've ever gone through a building project, how many people literally put all their hope in that building? And then like once the building's built, it's like we've arrived. And then all of the, the steam to invite people to church, it just kind of gets let out. So right now I'm working not necessarily in as much of, oh, let's get hyped about this building. But like trying to keep people grounded in like, okay, you're going to have a new building. But guess what? The main can't like the Alice Drive as a whole still owns this building. So you can't show up on a Tuesday and just use it. You know, like a lot of people have these misconceptions right now. A big misconception. um, People think I'm going to be preaching live every single Sunday when this building's built. Oh, people thought that when I lost when we lost this campus. Yeah, I've never I've never communicated that. I've actively dispelled it. But like we're having to say a lot. No, it's going to literally be the same. You're just going to be sitting in a different building. So we we have a lot of things um, that we're having to do in that area. Yeah, I I, want one one tip to help your um, expectations is building projects are always later than you expect. You never get earlier. It's yeah. rarely on time, but it's almost always going to be later. So just encourage you. Yeah, Tim. Yeah, for us, and this this isn't going to be, you know, super sexy by any means, but it is the the life of the pastor at times. We are, as elders, focusing in on policies, procedures, and future elder training and what that's going to look like. So really what we're trying to do is solidify now what this is going to look like for our next class of elders next year. 
what how what's it, what's it going to look like? What's that training going to look like? So we have a big elder retreat coming up at the end of June that me and, and another elder are planning out now, and a lot of that is going to be setting this foundation. Uh, our lead elder just sent out uh, an, a rough draft of our policies and procedures, and has asked us to start chipping away at it over the next few months. And then our our big push for this fall is a, a revamp of our home group system. So we have a, a new family uh, at Lakeview who's actively taking this on, and she's just doing an incredible job. So we're getting ready to send out a survey, and then we're going to start putting some pieces in place to uh, really solidify the home group system of Lakeview Church. So I know that doesn't sound uh, like we're going to be doing it, but it's very important for the health and the future of Lakeview to get some of these foundational things in place now. And now that Easter's over and we're going to experience some of those summer lulls, we'll have some time to put into these things. We're hoping to get some some key people in place, you know, with um, with Dylan gone. It was such so nice coming out of COVID to have someone who, was kind of the Swiss army knife. You know, he could run tech, he could play whatever instrument we needed to play. And so that freed up a lot of our leadership to kind of step in and, and do some other roles. And so right now with him gone for the past month, it's been abundantly clear, Hey, we need, we need a tech team of, you know, five or six people that know how to do everything we need. You know, we, we've been really strategic in the past couple of months about building up our, our praise team. You guys were teasing me a few weeks ago, you know, Hey, why are there 12 different guitars on stage? Because there were, there were only two guitars on stage ever in the past five years that I've been here. And it's like, you know, we need to have more than two musicians that know how to do whatever. So we're trying to get as many of our people to be as usable in as many different roles as possible. So we're looking at, we're, we're working hard at building up a volunteer culture and just a roster of people as our church is growing right now. Uh, you know, for us, we, we're in this uh, status from our denomination called redevelopment. So we're like a replant church right now. And of course, COVID paused that for two years. We were making good progress. So by the end of this calendar year, um, I'm hopeful that we will be at the place where all the criteria for coming out of redevelopment are met and we can go and uh, kind of submit that stuff to our uh, district executive committee, it's called. And then from there, we can come out of redevelopment and just be a fully accredited church. So it's a lot of the stuff Tim talked about, uh, leader training, having all those documents and stuff in order. And then uh, just on the ground at the church, hopefully by the fall, we'll have a functioning student ministry. Uh, that's a big thing that we're going to be working on this summer. So excited about it. That's awesome. Not excited about potential overnighters, but excited about student ministry. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome well uh if you're listening to this we want to hear from you what is the big um sort of goals things that you have between now and whatever the fall early winter brings your way uh we want to hear from you um but as always if you like the show share it with someone follow us on instagram join our facebook group join our mailing list that we don't send very many emails about um, join, uh, send us a, a voicemail. Yeah, you can do all that stuff at practicallypastoring.com. With that said, we'll see you next week. My name is Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Delmar Pete. I'm Andrew Larson. And I'm Timothy Miller. This is Practically Pastoring. See ya. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group where we get to share ideas and make each other better.